Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. This is your host, Lee McMahon, and I just wanted to drop a line real quick before we kick you over to today's episode that one, thank you. Thank you for everybody out there who has listened and left a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you for helping us get the word out about the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Our conversation today is so good that we had to break it up into two episodes. So here's the first installment of an amazing conversation I had with some mighty fine folks down at the St. Lawrence Catholic Campus Center at the University of Kansas. Thanks for listening. Here's the episode. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled. If you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. If you're hungry for more, if you're fed up with the empty promises of the world, Jesus has more for you. We have been called to communion in Christ. We have been given the mission of bringing people to Jesus and bringing revival to the church. So our title, New Manna, comes from John 6, 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the new manna. He is the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us in the Holy Eucharist. So each episode of New Manna will consist of two things, Eucharistic testimony from clergy and lay leaders, followed by a conversation about a bite-sized piece of a papal document pertaining to the Eucharist and worship. So today, I am joined in a very cold room by Ali Petty, Brenna Dillon, Maddie Abbott, and Nick Labrie, all of the St. Lawrence Center in Lawrence, Kansas. Everybody, welcome. Thanks. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about your stage of life, what you're doing now, family, whatever. My name is Brenna, and I am working full-time on staff here at the St. Lawrence Center as the new student director. And my main job is to make sure that all the students at KU know that the St. Lawrence Center exists and getting them involved here, um, integrating them in some capacity into the center um, so that so that they can come to know Jesus. Um, outside of that, I graduated from KU two years ago, Rock Chalk. Rock Chalk it up. Yeah. Um, and then I spent a year as a missionary um, with the Culture Project serving in Cleveland, Ohio. So... That's a little bit about me. Ohio. Yeah. Is it cold there? Is it very, very cold? cold. Yeah. Cleveland mm. is right up on the yeah, Lake Erie, mm. right up there. So all of the moisture from the lake yeah. just dumps. What is Cleveland cleaving to? What would you say? Uh the Browns. Oh, okay. Unfortunately. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for just negating the dad joke. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Brenna, thanks for being here. Hi. I'm Allie, um, Allie Petty. I serve as the Good Co. Campus Minister here at the St. Lawrence Center, which is kind of the evangelization arm of the center. So the disinterested, disengaged, those are my people. Um, I, before this, I was a youth minister in Kansas City, Kansas, which was awesome. Um, shout out to all the youth ministers. I um, have two sons, Calvin, he's four. He loves to roller skate, bowl. And then Colby, he's like 18 months-ish. I kind of lose track. Yeah. But he's cool. And then I have one, su- one husband, Sam. Just, yeah, one Just husband. a single one. Just a single husband. Just getting the story <laughs> yeah. straight. Love that. Yeah, two sons, one husband. That's me. 
Hi, I'm Maddie. Um, I'm the director of faith formation here at the St. Lawrence Center. So I teach the intellectual formation here at the St. Lawrence Center. Yeah. So integrating the truths of the faith into the lived experience as a college student. It's it's a good challenge. So mm. pray for pray for us, pray for me. Um, as everyone knows, our culture is filled with temptations not to live in truth. And so to equip people well to do yeah. that is it's a gift. Um other things about me, I went to Benedictine College and the Augustine Institute for Grad Go Ravens. School. Yes. I don't think the Augustine Institute has a mascot. We joked about being the hippos because Augustine <laughs> oh, that's hippo. That's funny, that's funny. That's <laughs> kind of <laughs> That would be legit. Um, we tried to get like sweatshirts with it yeah. and got vetoed real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fine. Um, I'm engaged. So <gasps> yeah, that's exciting. Um, if you guys want to pray for that as well. When's the date? This summer, June Ooh, 2nd. Wow. Mm-hmm. Congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, the world, I, I was just reflecting on this the other day, how the world is trying to get us to live as animals. Mm. I would agree with and that. And to just like embrace the most base desires and passions that we have. Mm. So true. And there's really no call beyond that coming from the world. Mm. It's just like, be subject to your desires, you know, at every level. Yeah, but really the, when you like reflect on what the human person is and that we're yeah. actually like invited into higher life than that and to like base down to live at our base desires is actually Mm -hmm. rejection of who we're created to be which is yeah you just need to sit with that a while right right and it's so interesting too because like as man as like the human race like we just it's funny just like down to the biological level like our eyes are in the front of our head we can't look everywhere at the same time we're not like a chameleon we're rejecting when you think about it like we're rejecting what 180 percent if not more degrees of the world that mm. we're surrounding ourselves with every moment of every day. It's kind of weird. Like, I cannot yeah. see behind me. I it's can... kind of a grace at times. You yeah. Know? I mean, obviously, we don't want to live in the past, but. Yeah. And so much happens when we're not looking at it. Mm. Um, and maybe that is, yeah, a grace that we get to escape temptation, sin, whatever it might be. Mm. Mm. When our eyes are set on the Lord, amen. Amen. Come on, church. <sighs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. So let's go back to the beginning. Like, how did you, like, what's your love story with Jesus like? Was there, was there a before and after? Was there a big moment or was it kind of gradual? Yeah, feel free to speak into that. Mm. I love the Lord. (laughs) Easy answer. Um, But yeah, I think growing up cradle Catholic, I never really had this like deeper conversion of knowing Jesus as a person. Um, Jesus was always this symbol of the church or, um, you know, my parents and I would go to mass on the weekends because it was the right thing to do. And, you know, I went to Catholic grade school till second grade and, you know, learned all the prayers, you know, yada, yada, the whole nine, the whole nine yards. Um, but yeah, was never taught about Jesus as, as a person. Mm. Um, and then throughout my childhood, I grew up going to Camp Tekawitha and that was probably the the first place that I encountered yeah. Jesus in a profound way um, that, yeah, called me on to something greater um, that, yeah, this. What was, happened at camp that, that got you? Yeah, it was actually in the mass. Mm. Um, there's this really beautiful crucifix that hangs above the altar in the chapel at Camp Tekawitha. And I remember like locking eyes with Jesus um, dur- during the consecration mm. of the Eucharist and almost like he, like, the eyes of Jesus were only looking at me. Yeah. Um, and like no one else was in the room. 
And that was the moment where I was like, okay, yeah, there's, there's something profound here. Um, and then, yeah, I grew up and went to high school and, um, really wanted to dive into my faith. Uh, but I went to a public high school. So a lot of my friends were wanting to experience the party culture and want to go out and, um, and I didn't, I didn't want to do that. And so I was really looked at as kind of a prude. Mm. Um, and yeah, so ended up in a lot of isolation, um, but still pursuing Jesus because I knew that he, he was the one, um, that my heart longed for. And yeah, yeah, went into college and eventually found the St. Lawrence center, praise God. Um, and it was really the place that I fell in love with Jesus. Um, someone proposed the question of like, who is Jesus Mm. to me in, in a Bible study? And I was like, Oh, Jesus, he died for our sins. You know, he was a carpenter with St. Joseph. Like, yeah, that's, that's Jesus. Like, um, and then the Bible study leader was like, no, like, who's Jesus to you? Like, how does he act? What is he like? Where does he take you? And from then on, I, I, yeah, have prayed with who are you, Jesus? Mm. Um, and through that, I've been able to fall more deeply in love with him um, because slowly but surely he reveals more of himself to me um, and then more of myself is revealed yeah. as well along the way. Um, and so as I fall more deeper in love with him, I'm able to more uh, love myself in the way that I've been created. Come on. Yeah. You know, I the more, as time goes on, I just find more people um, having these massive um, or just like uniquely graceful moments of, of transformation, of encounter with Jesus in that chapel that you're talking about. Because mm-hmm. the same thing happened for me. Uh, it was during Eucharistic Adoration uh, when I was here at KU going to school here um, on retreat with the St. Lawrence Center that the Lord just made himself known to me in a, a personal way that I hadn't experienced before yet in my entire life. And I just laid on my face for like an hour and it was awesome. Yeah. He just, yeah. he got me. Mm. So I, I can just speak to the, the power of that place. And like the Lord's hand is upon uh, that place, that chapel, Camp Tekic with the uh, Praystar Ranch. If you don't know anything about those things, check it out. Williamsburg, Kansas, big old <laughs> Williamsburg. This, um, yeah, this retreat center is, is changing lives left and right. Yeah. So. I remember my, I was going into my senior year of college and um, it was COVID year and all of my, pl- I was planning to study abroad in Poland, have this whole JP2 experience. And then it all got kaput because of COVID and, um, and then I prayed about what, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm. And he sent me back to Camp Tekawitha to work in the kitchen, nice. which is like infamously known as like the hardest place to work at camp. Um, but it was like the most profound experience. And they ended up having daily mass every day. Mm-hmm. And um, it was because I was able to go to mass and receive the Eucharist every day that that yeah. was the most like profound summer of my life. Come on. Yeah. So Camp Tekawitha, check it out. Do it. um okay so for me i grew up in this really small town south of st louis st genevieve missouri there's four thousand people ish that live there Uh, it was a beautiful way to grow up because everyone knew everyone Mm. um you knew the kids in your i had 28 kids in my class from kindergarten through 12th grade so i knew all of them i knew their grandparents i'd been to their houses like it was awesome and when the town celebrated everyone celebrated. Mm. Um, but also 
when bad things happened, everyone yeah. mourned and it was just hard because you just, you knew the ins and outs of everyone's story and who they were. Um, so we celebrated a lot, but there was also just a lot of hurt that happened in my hometown because of knowing everyone so much. Um, I went to the Catholic school there and I just like ate it up. I ate up mm. what I was learning in religion class. Things are happening at mass. My family was culturally Catholic cause that's what our hometown was. So we actually, my brother and I didn't get baptized until he was in second grade. Cause it was like, Oh, first communion's happening for my brother. So mm. we're all just going to enter the church. So it was something that was happening in my family, but it was very culturally Catholic. Um, being in a small town, everything centered around sports and I loved sports, particularly volleyball was my thing. So going into middle school and high school, volleyball was where I did everything. Yeah. Um, I took my confirmation pretty seriously, but when I went into high school, I was like, I need to be cool. Um, realize that the church thing probably wasn't the cool thing. Um, so, and as a freshman, I got put on the varsity volleyball team and I think we can all kind of write that story as of a freshman hanging out with yeah. seniors in high school. Um, so just got in a lot of mess, was living this double life, was going to youth group on Wednesday night, but was doing different things on the weekend. And there was, um, something that, uh, kind of like a hard thing happening. My freshman year just saw another like bad thing happen to good people. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of wrecked. Um, I came, became kind of numb instead of talking to teachers, coaches, parents, I just like numbed out and was just mm -hmm. like kind of hopeless. Yeah. Um, I was invited to go on this mission trip by a friend and just our local youth ministry did, um, it was just kind of like four hours away. So we were in St. Genevieve, Missouri, I went to Springfield, Missouri and just worked on houses, did yard work for a week. And honestly, like the mission trip did what the mission trip would do. I met community. I met people yeah. that love Jesus. And the last night of the mission trip, they did adoration and confession. And similar to like Brenda's story, I just met Jesus yeah. for the first time. And it was like this person that I'd heard about in books or in my religious religion classes, like he met me there. Yeah. And I, yeah, it was like my life after that was day and night different. Um, honestly, like I went from being the most popular girl at school to having one friend. Um, I started going to adoration, started going to mass, and it was just my life looked different, but I was way more joyful, way mm. more hopeful. Um, and so then after that, I, yeah, I still played volleyball, but I also wanted to pursue the faith and I want to learn more about the faith. And honestly, looking at colleges, it just worked out that I went to Benedictine. Mm. I didn't know that there were authentic Catholic schools or different Catholic colleges. I just was like, I'm going to go to a Catholic school right. and I'm going to play volleyball. So it worked out at Benedictine and I learned about the faith and who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like youth ministry, things just kept popping up for me. And then I started to pursue that in youth ministry. I think there kind of came a time where, I don't know, as you work with the church and as you get closer to the church, you also like see the humanity of the church. Mm. And at one, at one point I was kind of, yeah, honestly, just kind of scandalized by the humanity of the church. And my heart just kind of got restless and bitter and angry. And yeah, I was kind of like, Lord, like I, I see you, Jesus, and I love you, Jesus. And the Jesus I met when I was in high school, like I know you and I want to follow you and I want to pursue you but I'm not really seeing you in the church. Mm. Like it, it kind of felt like 
the church became a place that seemed fake to me or um, hypocritical to me or even like I didn't belong in a certain way. Mm. And I was just like, kind of went on this like quest, like, can I find Jesus in the Catholic church? And it wasn't like this intellectual quest of, I need to like learn about it or I've done a reason through it. Like, no, Jesus, like I want to find you in the church. So things I started in my quest was, um, praying in adoration, like Eucharistic adoration daily. Cause I was like, if this is real, if the Eucharist is real, then my prayer needs to be different from when I'm in front of the Eucharist than when I like just pray with my scripture mm. at Starbucks, right? Like it needs to feel different. Um, I got engaged in just a Catholic community and attended a Catholic prayer group And, um, I was just like, I need to find you, Jesus. I need to find you here. And those things kind of like prepped me and opened up my heart and built trust with the church. But honestly, it wasn't until I went to confession for the first time. And I say the first time because I'd gone my entire life, but like first time of like giving Jesus my stuff, right? Like giving Jesus my stuff and also like going to mass for the first time. And I say the first time, it wasn't my first time, but like actually giving Jesus my stuff in the mass. And it was just like this moment of actually experiencing Jesus in a tangible way in the Catholic church. Yeah. Like tangibly in confession, like nothing that the priest said, but the grace that was poured out, I experienced Jesus. And at mass, like nothing that the priest did or said, but Jesus tangibly wants to be with me and Mm. wants me to receive him and wants me to be him. Um, So, yeah, I just feel like I'm just in this like blessed place of like, where else will I go if it's not the Eucharist? Where else will I go if it's not the sacrament? So, um, yeah, it's a journey that starts when you're a kid, but it's daily. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a totally random thought for everybody. It's like I, I had this one moment when I was leading Bible study for a guy's group here on campus and it was like. 15 guys in some tiny rundown house as college life is right and i just had this like moment of your life in christ is like riding a sine wave and everyone's like what <laughs> the face i just gave you right now <laughs> <laughs> like who is this guy what is he talking about this guy but a sine wave is just like it looks like a radio wave okay if you're okay just bear with me <laughs> Hang on, hang in, hang in there. I'm buckling up. Okay, you've got your X and Y axis. Just think of like a graph, okay? And it goes up to one and to negative one or whatever. It doesn't matter. But this this line just looks like a wave going over mm. the horizontal line um, all the way across the X axis, depending on the freak. You know, it is like math. Just It depends on the whatever. But just this, this image of this line crossing this threshold time and again mm. and how those moments when we cross the line, it's not moral. It's, this has nothing to do with morality. It's just like those are moments of encounter that mm. sustain and push yeah. us. And it's the mark of a Christian life, I think, uh, is kind of like this theosis. Like what does theosis look like uh, mathematically? I, I, for me, it was just like, okay, the tighter my life looks um, along the x-axis. Not not that I stray or whatever, but just like how frequently can I like just put myself in in moments where encounter is likely. Mm. The X axis is like God's will or his love, his or grace, his love. Yeah, 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 his yeah, life. Totally. You know, just like like communion how, with him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like how what can I do to just like ride that wave as as tightly mm. as I can? Amen. Um I don't know, it got me fired up. And it just makes me so grateful that 
there's always more in a relationship with yeah. Jesus. And it's, mm. I'm so grateful that my faith life with him or our relationship with him isn't the same as it was when I was 14. Amen. Yeah. And every single day we can grow in that. And if you want to continue on that exile, <laughs> <laughs> every day we can come to mass. Every yeah. day we can come to the Eucharist. Yeah. Every day we can come to him. And yeah, I'm just grateful for that. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in a really, a beautiful Catholic family, but a simple Catholic family in Oklahoma. So just the country around Tulsa. Yeah. Um, and so typical Sunday mass and prayer before meals. And then in high school, as I had formed a, um, beautiful altar of idols, beautiful altar of idols being cheer and friends and social life, um, and grades and was, worshiping all of those idols really well. The Lord invited me into deeper communion with mm. him, particularly through friends. Um, friends who didn't go to my school, but I met him at summer camp. Again, a summer camp experience, yeah. not Tekawitha, but similar. And um, friends who called me higher and invited me into communion, even though we didn't go to the same school. I went to public school. They went to Catholic school. And um, we would start to like, they invited me to go on mission trips with them and to NCYC and various encounters with the Lord which led to a thirsting towards him and for something more. Yeah. Um, and so the summer after all of that, so the next summer, I went, went soul searching, which is mm. fun, especially as like a 16-year-old. You never know what you're going to find. Right. Um, <laughs> and this the stable sticking point, though, was daily mass. I had I have a car, and um, my parents were generous in helping me pay for gas. And so the stable sticking point that summer was going to daily mass Mm. um and again encountered people who cared about my soul and experienced the lord speak not like you know like how he speaks to you in prayer like in the depths of your heart in such a way that was maddie like i'm inviting you to more i want you to like come and encounter more and to receive more Um, but in that you also must make a gift of yourself more Mm. um and that led to a committed life of daily mass throughout high school my high school started at 9 a.m. Wow. Which was a huge oh, grace. Yeah, it was such a gift. And so before high school, I would go to daily mass and then go to school. And it was just this receiving the Lord, giving myself to him, receiving him, and then mm. entering in, entering into the battlefield of a good, yeah. huge public high school. Um, since then, that's been the stable sticking point is a calling back to the Lord in his Eucharistic self wow. of self-gift, self-revelation, um, and inviting me to do the same. So your last two years, you went to daily mass in high school. I did. On like per your own volition, like you, you willed this. I willed this. Wow. Yeah, it was. And again, my parents, I, yeah, could not thank them more for giving me that opportunity and never, um, yeah, never asking anything else, but yeah. giving me the space. And also as odd as it sounds, the financial ability to do it. Yeah. Of just paying for my gas to go to mass. Yeah. Something yeah. so simple is such a gift mm-hmm. for for those who have not, you know? Exactly. So praise God. Yeah. And since then, it's been the encounter um, of ripping out entitlement. Oh. It's been amazing. I'm still struggling, but America, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> America, come on. Land of the entitled. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so Nick, tell us about your season of life, where you're at. Pull that sucker straight up yeah. to your yeah. Get it on the stash okay. as much get as possible. It on the stash. Really want to hear your your stash breathe. <clears throat> okay, flavor the savor. 
I don't know what that second one means. Exactly. <laughs> I love it though. Um, yeah, season of life. I have been married for six and a half years. Uh, I've got three kids, uh, five, three, and one. Um, yeah, I think we landed in Kansas about two years ago um, after both my wife and I in our single years uh, kind of lived this missionary availability, doing mm-hmm. different missions opportunities, ministry stuff around the States, around the world. Um, and yeah, in the early years of our marriage, tried to live that missionary availability too. And it's kind of had us bouncing around um, a little bit in the first few years, uh, but felt the Lord, uh, felt the Lord's invitation to a little more stability. We were with a family missions company before this, which is a nonprofit yeah. based out of Louisiana that trains and sends lay families and singles as full-time foreign missionaries. And I was doing development work for them. So yeah, Family Missions Company was a beautiful season for us. It was actually the first season in my adult life where the Lord pulled me out of direct ministry. I was doing fundraising for them full time. It was a great season for reordering priorities in married life. It had always been like ministry um, was second only to my relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, But then getting married, having a honeymoon baby coming along. um, Had this, yeah, beautiful season where... um, pulled me out of direct ministry and I was able to reorder, you know, my relationship with the Lord, wife, kids, yeah. um, and then work. Uh, but yeah, um, started feeling a, a call back into full-time ministry, love evangelization. Um, long story short, after a lot of prayer and discernment landed here at the St. Lawrence center and I'm director of missionary discipleship. Uh, so overseeing all of our initiatives to reach non-Catholic, non-Christian students here at the university of Kansas. Cool. Mm-hmm. What have you been most surprised by with your work here? Yeah, I think it's it's just beautiful to see this stuff like works. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think in terms of evangelization, when we're going to talk about the Eucharist, obviously, I think watching so many non-Catholics um, at our Eucharistic adoration and witness night rise share after their experience of adoration, like, something's here. Mm. Um, something's happening. Um, I experienced, you know, peace like I've never experienced it before. Um, so yeah, just watching God continue to show his presence in the Eucharist, um, when people just put themselves in a place to receive that. Um, also I'm just, I love the humanity here at the St. Lawrence center. Like we, we host this, uh, event called open mic night where we rent out a local venue and, um, have local bands and students uh, perform, and we have around 300, 350 people show up. Cool. And uh, yeah, just all the tattoos, piercings, like every walk of life is Rocking. there. And um, they walk into this thing that's put on by the Catholic Church, full of a bunch of like rowdy Catholic <laughs> students who I see at daily mass and taking daily holy hours um and then a punk rock band comes on and they're like crowd surfing and going nuts let's go and yeah just watching students see catholics who are living an abundant life just fully alive and yeah that question starting to rise in people's hearts like man there's something more here than i thought so Mm. it's beautiful getting to watch those things happen yeah take us back to the beginning of your story falling in love with jesus like what happened Yeah, uh, I grew up in a culturally Catholic family. Um, We went to Mass most weeks, um, and I think as my older brother and I started getting a little older, my parents wanted to 
give something of a foundation of faith, but um, I don't know that they really knew or were equipped for what that meant. So we went to mass. Uh, my brother and I altar served. My dad ushered. My mom lectured. Uh, I went to CCD classes. My mom volunteered in the office. So when I got kicked out of class, I got sent to her. Um, but we never talked about the faith mm. in the house uh, outside of praying grace before meals if we were at home, not at restaurants. Uh, we never prayed together as a family. So it just became another part of our schedule, another mm. thing we did. Um, and when I got into middle school, I joined our youth group, kind of typical story, uh, cute girls and free pizza. Um, Why not? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it, it kept me there. Um, and as I got into my high school years, I was even like a leader in the youth group. I could like talk the talk. But when I looked at my life versus a non-Catholic and non-Christian's life, like there really wasn't anything different other mm -hmm. than how I spent a little bit of my time on Sundays. Um, and yeah, I fell into uh, the punk rock scene and that crowd. And yeah, I was exposed to a lot of stuff that I, in retrospect, didn't get into Uh only by the Lord's grace. Like I couldn't have said that back then, but I really think he, he kept me out of that. Um, so I started kind of living this split life where I was a leader within my youth group and within my church. I was even on like the diocesan youth council. Um, but at the same time I was like sneaking out of my house and like, yeah, just doing stupid yeah. stuff. I don't want to glorify my, my past, sure. uh, sin, but, um, yeah, so living this dichotomy in my life, um, and in my junior year of high school, ended up at an event uh, that kind of looks like our Rise Night here. Um, there's some praise and worship, a talk, and Eucharistic adoration, and um, the dude who was talking said something along the lines of like, y'all, if this is fake, it, you need to leave. Like, if, if this is just a piece of bread, like, this is a cult, you know? Mm. Um, but if this is true, it matters. And so yeah. he invited us, like, as we go in adoration tonight, like, <clears throat> this is Jesus present with us. And if that's true, I believe he wants to meet you here mm. tonight. And he invited us to pray in vulnerability. And um, I did, uh, for whatever reason, um, movement of grace, uh, I was open to receiving this message and open to um, this experience of prayer and I prayed, you know, saying something along the lines of like, I don't know if this is you. I don't know if any of this is real. Like yeah. it, it hasn't meant anything in my life. But if this is true, I want to know you. And um, yeah, I can't fully explain what happened that night, but it was just a sense of the Lord's presence with me. Yeah. Um, and a presence that like, even in all the mess of my family, uh, this like other part of my life and what it was leading to you, uh, everything going on at school, um, even with all of the lingering anxiety that was always present, it like mm. went beyond that. I'm just like, peace. Like, I'm yeah. here. It, it's all right. Um, and so it was kind of a wake up call for me um, that, yeah, if this is true, then everything changes. I'm kind of an all in personality. Sure. Um, and so when I met the Lord in, in the Eucharist that night, um, I, I tried to have this like radical change of lifestyle and that was, you know, junior year of high school. I went to the seminary my senior year of, uh, after my senior year of high school and, uh, 
that was my first experience of um, one, a rhythm of prayer where uh, I had daily time in Eucharistic adoration, was praying the Liturgy of the Hours for the first time, had daily Mass. Um, also my first experience of intentional community mm -hmm. and formation where um, people were, were helping like, yeah, build a foundation um, to this heart and experience that I had um, to kind of, yeah, build it out, make it more steady. Um, and yeah, sorry, I don't want to go. That's good. Too You're far doing great. You're this. doing great. So yeah, this experience of um, formation, intentional community, and a rhythm of prayer left a lasting impression on me. Like, mm. I just yeah, I, I was thriving there in the seminary. At the same time, I was very young in my faith and my discipleship to Jesus, and. Uh, immature in it still. And I think in retrospect, I went into the seminary too quickly. I also left too quickly. Um, at the seminary, there is this big, uh, it was down in Miami, St. John Vianney. There's this big tree outside that's like the perfect climbing tree. And you can like, you start low and you end up like 40 feet in the air. It's awesome. And it's right on the seminary grounds and they call it the tree of vocational doom. <laughs> <laughs> Because the legend is any seminarian who climbs this tree uh, ends up leaving the seminary. Uh, well, you know, my little punk rock self uh, wanted to climb you. this tree. That's right. So I climbed the, the tree of vocational doom. And uh, sure enough, I promptly dismissed I, it. Yeah, I came down and discerned out immediately. No, uh, I, I ended up just in the seminary for one semester. I renamed the tree the tree of excellent vocational discernment after I got married. Um, but... Mm. Yeah, I think I went into the seminary too quickly. I also left too quickly. Um, but that experience of a rhythm of prayer, daily holy hour, liturgy the hours, daily mass, intentional community and formation um, left a big impact on me. I desired those things greatly. Um, while I was finishing college, uh, I was helping out with my youth ministry back home and encountered Life Teen Missions and... Um, when I encountered Life Team Missions, like that's, that was the basis of what it was. It was a year of formation, living in intentional community with a rhythm of prayer that yeah. included those three things. And I think that time, um, I spent two years with Life Team Missions solidified, like helped grow deeper roots in my relationship with the Lord, uh, my relationship, um, with a church and the church's mission, um, and really propelled me forward in the rest of my life. Well, thanks for sharing your story. Beautiful community, prayer, punk rock, Jesus. Dingle dangle. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> dingle dangle. Dingle dangle. <laughs> means like, cool, man. <laughs> dingle dangle. In Nick, in Nick vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> no oh one else says that. You think it's going to make it in? I hope so. We'll see. Oh, I'm confident. I'm confident. <laughs> So tell us about your relationship now, like with, with Jesus today, like what role does the Eucharist play in your life today? And in, in even greater terms, like in the life of the church. Yeah. I think for me, um, having my single years lived in these, um, intentional communities with this rhythm of prayer was really formative as I said, but it also, in some ways, <laughs> I've had to like rearrange my understanding of my relationship with um, the Lord, his church, and the Eucharist. Um, after coming out of those experiences, mm. it was a, a huge grace to have an hour built in my schedule every day yeah. for Eucharistic adoration, yeah. to live in the same building or across the street from a chapel um, and be able to make daily mass every day. But um, 
for a long time, I rated my holiness by the amount of time I spent in prayer and with the sacraments. And not that that's a bad thing, um, but as I got married and started having kids, the reality of my schedule is just different. Um, the reality of having a daily holy hour. Um, Goodbye. Yeah. Um, and getting to daily mass every single day. like, yeah. And praise God, I had good spiritual direction um, and a spiritual director tell me like, you know, this is a new season of life and things need to change. Um, and so those things are still a bedrock of my relationship with the Lord and his church. Um, and luckily working at St. Lawrence, I often have the opportunity to yeah. spend time in Eucharistic adoration or praying silently in the chapel in front of the, the tabernacle or to go to daily mass. But um, I think the difference for me now in this season of life has been, um, one, a conversion of my experience of the Eucharistic at mass. I think that's been the biggest thing in that when I was young and met Jesus present in the Eucharist, it's like, oh, I I get to receive him at mass. So when I went to mass, I went with the intention of, I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive Jesus, which is a good thing. And that is like a valid part of mass. Um, but now when I go to mass, understanding the sacrifice of the mass, that what I'm doing there is participating in Jesus's own sacrifice yeah. of his body and blood, um, which he's offering in worship to the Father. Yep. Mm. So when I go to Mass now, rather than just like, I want to go because I can get Jesus, I can take like the reality of my season of life of, you know, trying to be a good father, trying to be a good husband, trying to do well um, by the mission that the Lord's entrusted to me um, and the job that I'm entrusted with. And all of this work in my life, I can offer with Jesus to the Father at Mass. Yeah. And in that, it's transformed into something something beautiful. Um, so with that, yeah, I think participating more in the act of Jesus's worship of the Father and his sacrifice. Deeper union in the, the gift of, of self to participate in his sacrifice, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like there is something we get to receive in the Eucharist. Absolutely. But there's also this invitation to partner and yeah. give of ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you're able to partner more fully, you're able to receive more fully. Mm -hmm. I would say it's kind of a meta thought for the day. Mm. Yes. And amen. Yes. and Amen. Popcorn Brenda. Now so much of my relationship prior to, I think, coming even out of my mission year with the Culture Project has shifted from this, yeah, I need to pray daily and go to daily mass because it's good and because that's that's where I will become holy, um, which is, yeah, which is partly true, right? Like, we got to spend time with the Lord in order to be purified. Um, and I think I spent a lot of time uh, going through a lot of suffering and, and healing um, during my college experience that has really shaped who I am today. Um, and I always, you know, thought that, uh, being in relationship with the Lord was this, um, you know, to be holy and to be close to the Lord is to suffer. Um, which, yeah, we have to partake in his Paschal mystery with him. Um, but the only reason why we're, we go through suffering and to go through healing is to be in greater communion with the Lord. Um, 
And I just had this realization in the last like six or eight months that um, it's not so much this like wave, even though we want to be on the X X axis, (laughs) closest to the X axis. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At least for me, it's this it's this continuation of um, the reason why the Lord is entering healing into my life Mm. is to continually bring me back into communion with Him. It's not this like, oh, dang it, I have to, I have to pause everything in my life to receive this healing or to go through this suffering season. Yeah. Um, but it's no like, let's let's pick up our cross and go. Right. Like it's it's a continuation to be in greater communion with the Lord, um, and in doing that, we become more integrated and more whole. Um, mm. So yeah, that's where I feel like I'm experiencing the Lord the most right now is a is a fullness of who he is and what he's inviting me into. Mm. Amen. Yeah. I appreciate just like what you were saying, just about just different seasons that we're in. I think we all can agree. Like, yes, the Eucharist is the source of summit of our faith. We need to be like getting to the Eucharist as much as we can. Um, I think most of us in this room, like we're working for the church. We have a lot of access to especially us at this college campus like masses are centered around our schedule and so like it's easy for me to get to mass it's easy for me um to get to adoration and we also are just in a culture like one of our house rules is there's always time to pray and i think we live into that house rule and like that's what we're living in and through and from um but i love what brenda was saying about okay we need to like also recognize the season we're in because I don't know, 18 months ago when Colby was first born, I couldn't get to mass. I couldn't get to adoration. And my prayer time looked like middle of the night, just frantic, like Hail Marys. Right. Um, But yeah, this importance that Bruno is saying of just what's going to bring me back to communion to the Lord today Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. whatever season I'm in, it might just be, yeah, I'm going to open up scripture for five minutes because that's the season that I'm in. Um, And it's just asking the Lord to just see like, what are you inviting me into today, Lord? Like, what's the next step for me today? Because that's going to look different for each one of us um, in the place that, place that we're in. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's super, I uh, thought that I had was like, okay, literal seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to dress ourselves differently. Yeah. And mm. there's only four seasons. Like, hello. So we once we kind of once we kind of get through those seasons and get accustomed to what it's like to equip ourselves and dress yeah. ourselves in these seasons, like, we know what to expect in the future mm, if we find amen. ourselves in a, in a yeah. winter time and, and so on and so forth. So uh, thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, today, uh, Jesus and I, um, I would consider us dear friends, um, dear friends. And that, that, that's exactly what it is like, as each of you are saying, um, I'm, I'm in a really like blessed season of life right now with yeah. time and availability. Um, compared to when I have children, it will be very different, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now it, it's a great, a great freedom of time. But in that I, I so a little side note, um, I spent some time discerning with the servidoras and one of the lessons that I learned, um, during that time was actually the lesson of praying always. We, we talk about it of like, yeah. Oh, like pray always, pray always. Um, but it, it was a literal manifestation of that um, yeah. during the time of the convent in which we did pray always. Like yeah. every single thing was literally surrendered to the Lord. Um, 
in big and small ways. And so to bring that lesson back to life, to have yeah. like time set aside, um, yeah, as, as fitting to stay in life, but time set aside to commune with the Lord, be a daily mass right. or adoration. Um, but then also each and every moment in conversation, just being given to the Lord again, mm-hmm. um, be it like small little, like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. Lord help me. Um, to just like little nugs of gratitude as well. Yeah. That's where we're at. Nugs. 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 That's, That's like nugs. the staple meal at our house. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. The, I heard, I, I forget where I heard it. Praying always without ceasing can be uh, defined with this like yearning. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, just like, Lord, ah, that's a prayer. Like yeah. lifting yeah. your heart and mind to God in, in every moment, right? Mm. And just being mindful mm-hmm. of his presence yeah. and his nearness. Um, yeah, so amen. Yeah. Mm. And it's a daily lesson and journey and growth in yeah. that too. Mm-hmm. But praise the Lord for life. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, I think the crazy thing about working for the church is that, yeah, we have all these resources and availability to go to mass and go to a daily holy hour, yeah, whatever it might be, and praise God for that. But we also need it. Like, yeah, I when I first started here coming out of my mission year, I was very burnt out um, and needed needed a break from Jesus. Um, and so I, t- <laughs> I tried, I, I literally yeah. tried to do this job without praying daily and mm. I couldn't, I literally couldn't. And so just like recognizing that we need the Lord, yeah. we need him daily mm. over and over and over again. What do you think the Lord is doing in the church right now? And like, what's your dream for the church today? And, and even just like on campus, off campus, <laughs> That's a big question. That is a big question. Can <laughs> I go first? <laughs> uh, I'm kind of hyped up about this. Um, Let's go. And, and maybe these are my two nuggets. Uh, and maybe Nugs. maybe it'll get more hyped up later on. But um, yeah, I feel like two things. I think that there's this increased desire for greater healing, um, whether that be mentally, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, yeah, I just see a lot of people running towards counseling and yeah. um, or any healing retreat, to be honest. I think anybody that I meet, I invite them into a healing retreat because yeah. I think everybody needs it. Um, but also I've, I've met Jesus in a profound way in, that, in, in those um, areas of my life. Um, and then I think that there's a increase in uh, Eucharistic reverence. And obviously we're talking about that here. Um, but I think in my generation in particular has great reverence for the Lord. And I think it's, uh, going to transform the, transform the church. Go on. Yeah. Bouncing, bouncing off of yours, something that I've, yeah, been praying with for probably the last year, uh, in regards to this, this exact thing is a, um, favoring up of the virtue of fortitude Mm. and also like in relation to the Eucharist of some of the early saints talk about the Eucharist being like the medicine for immortality um, or comparing our own martyrdom to like the Eucharist. So also with our own lives. So to like face, face those, those like places of brokenness to even go about and like live a life fully alive. You have to have the gift or the virtue of fortitude. Um, I, I pray, pray, I would give my whole life to this, that the whole church would be able to live courageously for the Lord Mm. in each and every moment. Mm. 
uh, yeah, I see this movement. I, I kind of see this fruition of the call to the new evangelization from St. John Paul II um, and yeah, the work of Pope Paul VI and yeah, so many others. But the fruition of the new evangelization in that, like even as I was discerning moving to this position and evangelization being like uh, just what sets my heart on fire. Yeah. Um, when I was looking at like Catholic jobs to see how many parishes and dioceses even have offices, positions with that word in them mm. now, like that is new 10 years ago that that wasn't the case. Um, and yeah, it says uh, people talk about the church that like she, she moves slowly. So, you know, we've been talking about the new evangelization for a while um, and it's taken decades in yeah. order for us to like, this big ball to start moving, but I see it happening and that's really exciting to me. And even being here in Lawrence, which, you know, when we are considering moving here, somebody described it as like the blue dot in a red state and like maybe, um, leans away from some, uh, from any semblance of faith yeah. or, uh, objective truth. Um, but even here, uh, seeing as, uh, myself, these other families that my my wife and I are in relationship with, uh, this openness on the part of Christians to open their homes, open their lives, open their schedule to encounter other people in authentic friendship. Yeah. And then through friendship, the Lord opening these opportunities to share faith. Mm. Yeah. And I think speaking of the Eucharist, St. John Paul II said the sacraments of the new evangelization are confession and the Holy Eucharist. And I see that through my ministry and I see that through those I've journeyed with. Mm. Um, so even uh, several years ago, I was uh, doing some ministry work in England, which was just this huge gift um, in uh, one, I, I used to complain about the state of the church in America sometimes. And then when I went to England and they're like way further yep. um, gone in secularization than we are. Um, but it was this beautiful thing. I worked at a retreat center for the diocese, Archdiocese of Westminster. And this retreat center primarily did um, retreats for Catholic schools, but Catholic schools are free over there. So a lot of non-Catholics go, but they still end up, you know, having a retreat requirement. So mm. we'd have these retreats that are like day long, up to three day long. Yeah. And these middle schoolers, high schoolers would come and they would literally say at the beginning, like, just so you know, I'm an atheist. Like, I don't believe in any of this stuff. And I'm like, well, my name's Nick. What's your name? Exactly. <laughs> but, but they would start with that. Um, and then even on these just day long retreats, we would always end with Eucharistic adoration, this time of silent Eucharistic adoration, um, where we gave like a similar invitation as to what I received. Yeah. Um, that like, yeah he's here and he wants to speak to you, like open yourself up in these same kids that came in saying like, I don't believe any of this. The afterwards would come up and say like, what is this? Yeah. Like something happened. Mm -hmm. What do I do now? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've seen in my own ministry too, like you want people to come to know the Lord, like yeah. put them in front of the Eucharist. Yeah. And so, yeah, just seeing this, uh, I feel like this tidal wave coming of the fruition of the call to the new evangelization, both in the re-evangelization of 
like people that grew up like me, culturally Catholic without an actually lived relationship with the Lord. Um, but also beyond the doors of the church, Pope Francis saying, you know, I want an open door church. It's Get not just there. that we, yeah, open the doors for people as they come into mass, say, hi, welcome. That's good. But he says, I want the doors open. So you guys leave, like mm-hmm. go, you go are away. sent. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I see that starting to happen, this yeah. awakening that when we gather together in mass, as we participate in Jesus's worship in the father, yeah. as we receive this, um, way bread um, we are sent forth yeah to share and i, I see it happening and yeah that just pumps me up yeah i can't wait for the um because i've said this on the podcast before but just like like mass literally means sent like mm-hmm. it's go like uh, for for families to see mass is the beginning and not like okay i'm done yeah mm. and it's like okay your job begins as soon as you walk off of campus property or as soon as you walk off of parish property, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like that, um, that, that hunger and that, that just that awareness that, um, we've got marching orders. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and to think like the amounts of people from different walks of life with different spheres of influence yeah. Yeah. within every single church, every single week, mm-hmm. like if, if we lived that, mm. like if, if, all of us, you know, just drew a 10 foot circle around ourselves and loved well the people in them. If we took Jesus seriously, like love your neighbors, if we yeah. got to know our neighbors, yeah. like yeah. all of the Catholics across this archdiocese, mm-hmm. like this, this place would be changed, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I see people waking up and it's, yeah, the waves building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of to put kind of it all together, what I'm seeing the Lord doing is, yeah, rising up this new evangelization and rising up courage, but also giving it an ease of, it can be really simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like a courage to get to know your own story and this healing. Yeah. I think we're seeing a lot of like young people and honestly, like all generations of like, I'm going to get to know my own story and ask the Lord to like bring healing in this. Um, But it's just as simple of getting to know other people's stories Mm. in the sphere. Yeah. Like like Nick was saying in the sphere that you're just in, it doesn't have to be super complicated. Yeah. yeah, we I love think, to get in our heads about it. You're yeah, right. and just I think the Lord just putting like this desire in people for authenticity mm-hmm. um, of just I want to be a part of a church that's authentic, and I want to be a part of a church that says wherever you're at in your your story, you belong here. Yeah. Whatever your mess is, whatever your thing is, you belong here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it can be more simple than we're making it. Yeah, mm. the kind of bouncing off of what you guys just said, I think, um, like so, Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, it's hyper liberal to say the least and uh, yeah people are saying it's it's like uh atheistic almost or just like super closed off i i could not disagree more mm-hmm. i think that this place is starving to death yes mm-hmm. yes i and think they that's are such they a... are so yeah. hungry that they're pursuing new age spiritualities mm-hmm. buddhism eastern spiritualities universalist spiritualities they are dying Mm-hmm. of hunger and they like just go walk down mass street and mm-hmm. tell me that this place isn't hungry mm-hmm. yeah. you know mm-hmm. like psychics and all this stuff it's just the lord has the answer yeah mm-hmm. and that's what i see like saint john paul ii wrote um an encyclical called mission of the redeemer where he's yeah. talking about the church's missionary mandate and he says in there in just the end of the introduction um he says that humanity's already like received these seeds of the gospel. They're already yeah. present in humanity. 
And uh, when we first moved to Lawrence, we were living in East Lawrence and like our neighbors had, you know, pride flags up and yep. just living like very openly different lifestyles. Um, but, you know, those same neighbors, they also came to our door and yep. knocked on our door and said, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Exactly. They yeah. introduced themselves. There was this acknowledgement and I could look and divide a wall and say, yeah. like, you guys are living different than me. You believe differently than me. Like your morality is different than mine yep. and like cut it off there. Or you see like, man, these people value community and connection. Yep. And like, what is the Lord inviting us into? Mm -hmm. Like one of the, even, yeah. even going back to the Eucharist, one of the ways that Jesus is present in the mass is by the gathering yep. of mm -hmm. his faithful, you know? Like as the church comes together, like we are the summation of community. Um, so yeah, rather than those dividing walls, like where are those seeds of the gospel where they're already looking for something beyond the material? Yeah where they value things that the church values, that Jesus values. And that's those are the ways that we can enter in a conversation yeah. and spark curiosity. Yeah. yeah. And they're like the world today is so open. Mm -hmm. They're so open. Like just look at our young people. They're so open. They just don't know where to turn and they don't have the people in their life to walk with them. Mm. So again, massive shout out to youth ministers because keep doing your thing. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's one thing. I was really struck. My first, we have Rise here. We've mentioned it a couple of times in the podcast, but it's our adoration night and we have a message and um, worship music. And my first night here at the St. Lawrence Center, it felt like every walk of life was in the room. Love it. And there was these two girls right in the front row and they had pride shirts on and like uh, rainbow buttons, like clipped to their shirts or whatever. And at the end of the night, they come up to me, introduce themselves said, Allie, I've been feeling so alone in my faith, but tonight I felt like I had a place I belong. Mm. And it was just like, I, I just feel like I feel so privileged. I have a front row seat of seeing that happen over and over yeah. and over again of people that we put up walls up or masks on or judge them for this or that. But they're, you know, like you said, yeah, they're hungry. Yeah. It's like, I found a place I belong Come tonight. On. Yeah, it's awesome. I heard a line the other day. It was like, if you have time to judge somebody, I think it's Mother Teresa because she said everything. But <laughs> if you have time to judge somebody, like you, you're not loving them. Mm. <sighs> Woof. But I just want to like have a little clarion call. Like if you feel a tug on your heart to do more for the church, like lean into that. I, I think too, sometimes somebody might feel that like tug on their heart of like, I want to do more. And then they look at somebody like us who is working in the church yeah. and they say like, well, that's what I should do. Like it should be mm -hmm. my full-time job. Yep. But one of the things the Lord's been convicting me about, especially in my role, director of missionary discipleship, I'm like training and empowering students to share faith with others. And mm -hmm. I'm challenging them like, yeah, is there time in your schedule that you're open to encounter your neighbors and those that the Lord's like bringing in your life? Um, but then the Lord's like brought it back on me. Like, well, Nick, outside of your like jobby job, is there what, time yeah. in your schedule <laughs> to encounter those I'm bringing into your life? Yeah. Nice. And I, th I think that's, yeah, going back to that image of the mass and like all of the spheres of influence, like if, if somebody's feeling the talk on, on their heart to like do more, to share faith, to like make an impact, mm -hmm. the Lord's already given you your mission field. Yep. Like 
do you know your neighbors? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, are you in relationship with your coworkers? Like, just like when we're doing Lexio Divina or reading scripture and like a, a little line or a phrase tugs on our heart, like, do we have that relationship of open, an open heart as we're going through our day, as we're in our place of business, as we're in the grocery store to like feel that prompting yeah. to, to like say hello, introduce ourselves, um, to invite somebody to have a drink or come over for yeah. a bonfire or whatever your thing is. And yeah, I, I think sometimes the temptation would be like, I've got to do full-time ministry. Right. But like in your context, you, you already have a mission field and yeah, live it. I, I, we're trying to live it, not just mm. because we're paid to, um, yeah. but because mm-hmm. this is real mm-hmm. and this is the invitation for all of us. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't like, I just want to add this too, that it doesn't matter what age you are, um, whether you're yep. in high school or you're retired and go to your holy hour at 4 a.m. That's my dream one day. Bless you. Um, but yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, everybody has a mission field. Everybody's called to expand the church. Um, and each of us has a different experience of the Lord and a different story to share. And each story is equally important. Yeah. So a lot of our brothers and sisters, and even us sometimes, I think we all kind of wrestle with this reality of Jesus in the Eucharist. Like, what? You're telling me that the God of the universe who like breathed the cosmos into existence by just like releasing his index finger and his thumb or whatever, like made himself fully present to us in this tiny piece of bread? Like, what are you talking about? So I, I get it. But like, my question for you all is what advice would you share to any of our, our friends out there? Um, Catholic, non-Catholic, who were on the fence about this whole Eucharist thing. And this is not an invitation to, like, preface. We shouldn't have to do that, but preface. Um, this is not an invitation to just, like, crazy blind faith where you're like, irrational. Because our, our Lord, He gave us reason. and He invites us to, like, understand and to come him, to know Him more. But one of the ways that virtues work is by acts of that virtue. Yeah. So by an act of faith, I'm making myself more susceptible to more faith. Um, and so with the Eucharist, making acts of faith, going to mass, like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. Um, in that, we're giving the Lord space to also pour into that. Also, I would encourage, like, intellectual gallery here, I would encourage research. I would encourage you do to, like, homework. yeah, do That's your homework. Yeah. Like, go read what the saints have to write. Aquinas has all sorts of good things, but if he's not your style, like, all of them have stuff about the cool. Eucharist. Yep. Um, read the catechism. It tells you yeah. about the source and summit of our faith, but I would I would challenge each of us and myself included in this to yeah in seeking more faith to make acts of faith towards the Lord. Mm. Yeah. But I even struggle with like not like a is this really the Eucharist? But sometimes of like Lord, like I'm trying to go to Mass and like are you really here? Are you listening? Yeah. Mm. And so making a conscious act of faith in those moments to lean in to invite Him to yeah. Like a wrestling of presence, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, I'd say to research the Eucharistic miracles. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is such an unsung, um, like gold mine of yeah. building faith. Like God has done some amazing things yeah. in the Eucharist to to make this invisible reality, um, yeah, visible for us. So I, I would recommend people. You can do it. Fire. I believe. 
Um, I would recommend people, yeah, research the Eucharistic miracles. Uh, what is his name? Blessed Carlo Acutis. Is yep. that his name? Yep. Yeah. I mean, his website where he, he documented all this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's great resources out there. I'd also just say like, ask. I, I really don't, mm-hmm. I don't believe the Lord wants to hide from us. Come on. Like he wants to be known. Um, so to ask as, as you're going to mass, as you're going to, um, you know, uh, even an empty church with a closed tabernacle, like, Lord, I want to know you. Yeah. God, if you're here, could, could you just show me um, your presence here? And I'd say with that, like if somebody's going from like kind of living a, a typical American life to like all of a sudden trying to incorporate silence and listening prayer, um, that that jump can be really hard. Um, so you might need, you know, to who is it? Mother Teresa she says everything, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> can we just say it's Mother Teresa yeah. every time we quote something? Um, she said the fruit of silence is prayer. And mm. we live in a life or we live in a world with constant distractions, yep. um, with headphones always in. And yeah, we need to practice silence. Um, one, to be able to hear our own interior voice. Um, and gradually as we practice silence, um, we're going to be able to, to be able to receive the Lord's voice. Um, so I'd encourage people to like, go be yeah. with the Eucharist, ask, but also do the work to say like, I mm-hmm. need to quiet my heart. I need to quiet my mind. I need to quiet my soul in order to be able to listen and receive. Yeah. I, I would love to piggyback real quick. Uh, just how we're, I think, um, if you have like any, if you're, if you're in the body of Christ, like if, if you've got Christ dwelling in your soul, like we're, we're really good at like going to the river of grace and like kind of just checking it out on the shore there. Um, but we don't necessarily know how to like jump in. Um, but like, I, I want to submit to y'all that silence is good. Yes. And amen. Um, but if you've got any, if you've got a little sprinkling of, uh, ADD out there, like, like, uh, <laughs> like yours truly, um, I want to submit to you all that there's this guy, William Augusto, he makes music and it's just peaceful, quiet, no words, no like drums. No, it's just like very gentle synthesizer like i don't know how to say it, it's just ambient kind of music but he's he's christian through and through and this is like a for me he has been um not a resource that i utilize every day but for those moments of of or those those seasons of like franticness um like he's been that boat for me that i can that i can board to get on the river of grace and let the lord speak to me uh just to kind of uh to fill that that void um yeah, I don't know. I want to submit that to y'all that it's okay to uh, use music to enter in to a deeper relationship with the Lord. Yeah, I think just my advice would be like, what would it look like if you just committed to going to an adoration chapel or mm. going to a church? Like, just doing a little experiment with yourself. Like, what does my life actually look different if yeah. I'm in front of the tabernacle? Um, does it actually look different when I am experiencing the Eucharist and I'm going to place money that it will, like Mm. if we believe that's the Eucharist, like Jesus is going to change our life and the way that we live each day. Mm. Um, yeah. Like dare him to show up. Yeah. 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 See what happens. Yeah. 
Yeah. He'll probably wreck your pride and reveal himself to you at the same time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> like another thing in just like Sam and I's marriage, when we started praying the rosary daily and not together, but just separately, like in the car, sure. even if we just put on like an app that was playing the rosary, it, it changed us. It changed our marriage and even changed like our desire to come to the Eucharist. So I even just think like Mary's going to lead you to the Eucharist yeah. too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, another thing I was doing recently, I felt like I was getting into a rut with mass where I was just kind of going through the motions and having three little kids. It's like, I don't know, it seems like the hardest season for actually paying attention in mass, um, having three, five and under. Um, but what I started doing was uh, I read the section of the catechism that talks about the effects of receiving the Eucharist. And I would just take one of those, um, and as I went to receive the Eucharist, after I received the Eucharist, as yeah. I knelt and prayed, I'd ask the Lord for that particular grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Lord, strengthen my charity. Um, strengthen me against yeah. um, you know, temptation towards mortal sin. Um, Lord, forgive my sins. Um, and, yeah, having a couple of weeks where I was very focused on that, I, I started seeing, like, these effects that the church says will come, um, they were coming. Yeah. Um, but part of it was I was going through the motions, so I wasn't open to receiving the fullness of that grace. Right. You know, the, it's always on offer, but I had to like put myself back into a disposition of saying like, oh, this is what you're trying to give me. But then I saw the effects of mm-hmm. it. So yeah, if there's somebody out there who's just going to mass, feels like they're going through the motions, like unsure if the, there's anything here, like crack open the catechism um, on you know the effects of receiving Holy Communion and ask for one of those every yeah. time that you're going to Mass and see what happens. For mm-hmm. sure. And like the Father's going to give it because like especially when, if you're making that petition direct like immediately after you receive Jesus mm-hmm. in the Eucharist like that that's Jesus making the prayer too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's literally in you and uh, interceding and praying with you for you. Mm-hmm. It's this mystical reality, but like there's a special potency that prayer immediately after communion has on your life and the world around you that you could access and just, yeah, like you said, make your petition, make your request known to the Lord. Like I love those times in the gospels when like John and James's mom approaches him. He's like, Hey Jesus, uh, we want you to do whatever we want you to do. Is that, is that okay? Can, can I ask you something? And Jesus is like, yes, what would you like? And um, like the blind man, you know, like, what do you, what do you desire? What do you want? Mm-hmm. Blank check. Mm, yeah. Like an invitation to just be profound. Yeah. yeah. Ask big and he'll give big. Amen. And jingle dangle. Dingle dangle, jingle dangle, <laughs> dog, jingle dangle. Boom, chicka boom. <laughs>